Them kids that just beat me up. I know who they are. Well, then why did you just give a mom and lady's cotton candy? Because it looked like they hadn't been given nothing in a long time. There's a word for that. It's called character. Character is, as depicted in, in this clip, it's built in adversity. It's built in challenging times. It's built in times of temptation. Character calls out and reveals what's really inside of us during hard times and hard decisions. Aristotle des de described character as this, and we're going to put it up there for you. Um, he defined it as intentions and actions that benefit both the individual and society at large. And that's kind of what the Western world is held to <clears throat> as far as character. Now, as, as believers, we define it probably a little differently. We would say that it's intentions and actions, no, back up one. Intentions and actions that benefit individuals and society and glorify God. But character is really about our mental and moral makeup. What we believe to be, to be true in behaving what we believe. Because <clears throat> we all know and have all witnessed people who, who proclaim great lofty virtues um, and yet, when it comes to living out those virtues, it never takes place. It's like they're believing over here and they're behaving over here and the two never meet. We live in a, in a country today and all the studies have shown character's not important to us. It is seen as a word that is Rigid. In fact, I read an article recently that talked about character not being a good thing because it's not multicultural. It's based upon norms that others might not hold. Once again, it, it's, it's the premise that, that truth is subjective and that it's not something that is real and objective across cultures. We live in a world where what we value is financial prosperity. Um, we value the appearance of people. 
we value where people land um, in the economic pecking orders, and we value education. We push our kids to get good grades. And yet when our kids get caught for cheating or engaging in bullying, somehow we just view that as a minor infraction. We live in a time across every subculture in our country, across every profession in our country, where character is viewed as something optional but not important. This morning, as we continue our series on monitoring your approach, I want to talk about monitoring our approach when it comes to our character. I want to talk about what it means to understand and to live out character. And particularly, what I want to look at is why is character so important? When the rest of the world and the rest of society says, look, what's important is being technolog technologically sharp and economically fit, what does character really matter? Now, I'm going to give you the takeaway right up front this morning. So here it is, and Andreas can put it up. Character reveals what is real and rewards what is right. Character reveals what is real and rewards what is right. Now let me break it down. Character reveals what's real. How do we know what reality is? Very simply, if we know God, we know reality. Character reveals God. Because when you read the Bible, God is a God of character. In fact, throughout the scriptures, we see God over and over again calling his people to be holy because he's holy. Calling his people to be righteous. Calling them to be just. Calling them to be trustworthy and reliable. Calling them to be merciful. Calling them, calling you, calling me to be just like he is. Character reveals what's real. When I know the creator of reality and I listen to him, I can know what's real. When I come up against hard decisions, I can know what's real, what's true. Character reveals what's real and it rewards what's right. Because when it reveals what's real, when it reveals God's will, and God's will is revealed through God's word tells me what's right, and I do it, I'm rewarded for it. Why is character so important? Because without it, I don't know what's real. Therefore, I don't know what's right. And therefore, I can live a cursed life. And think about it. It rewards what's right. I mean, that might sound ethereal, but it's not. Think about going out and deciding that you're going to go wire your house. Or 
I don't know, you're, you're going to, I don't even want to talk about knitting. I don't know how to knit. I don't know. Make up a female beside of wiring your house. Although, Lorel Lawrence can wire her house. So, um, But think about it. If you were going out to do a task, would you go on YouTube and look and type in the wrong way to wire your house? No, you wouldn't. Why? Because it doesn't end well, right? See, doing the right thing has built-in rewards. Why does God call us to do the right thing? Because he's a killjoy. Because he's a stuffed shirt. Because he doesn't like to have fun and therefore doesn't want us to have fun. No. Just the opposite. In fact, you know, if you, if, you, if you look at the Old Testament, you could even say God is a party animal. Uh, I, I don't mean to say it like that, but because what you see in the Old Testament is feast after feast, celebration after celebration. He's constantly calling Israel to come together before him and to celebrate. God wants us to do what's right based upon what's real because he is a good God who rewards those who eagerly seek him. There's a reward in doing what's right. And yet if I don't know what's real, I'm not going to know what's right. You know, we talked a couple, uh, I think the last series um, on emotions, what do you do with them? And we said that if we listen to our emotions and we don't process things cognitively cognitively through God's word, we're going to be a mess. If we don't know what's real, if we don't seek and pursue God, then we're going to go off on what we feel. I was doing some reading this uh, past week on uh, the Titanic. And um, it's just fascinating stuff. But they just kind of list all the things that went wrong. And they went wrong based upon what human beings wanted to believe was real. Uh, An owner of a company who just, he just wanted to to make record time to America. And he didn't care about the circumstances or the consequences. In fact, he, he rushed the ship being built to the point that when it came to the right specs for the rivets, the rivets on the ship, he just said, just produce them as quick as you can and they'll be fine. And so they made shoddy rivets. Uh, the, ch- the ship was supposed to, one of the first that had 16 watertight compartments. The problem is, they should have been a lot higher than what they were, but he decided, well, we want more luxury space uh, for our high-end customers, so you know, we'll scratch that. An owner who worked with architects who were willing to cut corners. Uh, To a captain when asked by his shipmate if the ship was really unsinkable and he said God himself couldn't sink this ship. (laughs) 
It went down in two hours and 14, 40 minutes. You see, when you don't know what's real, you won't know what's right. And you'll end up spending a lifetime of going down the wrong road. And see, God loves you. That is the last thing in the world that God wants. And so he calls us to know what's real and to do what's right. And that's what character is all about. We're going to look at the story of a man this morning who I think displays character in abundance. His name is Samuel. And uh, you find him in the Old Testament. In fact, there are two books authored with his name, First and Second Samuel. Samuel um, is an interesting character. He was born to a man by the name of Alkahana and a mother named Hannah. And he also had, well, you couldn't call her a stepmother because Penina was Elkanah's second wife. Not second, like got divorced, went to the, no, just had two. And so he grew up in a kind of messed up home. A home where his father trusted God, but not that much. <coughs> you know, just like we see with Jacob. Uh, a man who wants kids and so he cuts corners and gets a surrogate. And so he grows up in this home where his mother and Penina are, they're at odds and, and Hannah's made to feel awful because she's barren. And so one day she goes and she worships in the temple and she just prays to God, please give me a child. If you give me a child, I will turn him over for your service. I will turn him over to the priesthood. I will dedicate him to you. And so God answers her request. And so as a woman of character, unlike her husband, when she's given the child, she weans the child, and when the time of weaning is over, she presents the child to the priest Eli. And he's in charge of his care. And Eli trains him up in what it means to be a priest. And there's this neat story where uh, Eli's probably about 11 years old and, and they're just kind of taking a, you know, hanging out, snoozing. And Eli hears God talking to, um, um, excuse me, Samuel hears God talking to him and, and calling to him. And he's not sure whether it's God or or whether it's Eli, and so he goes to Eli, and Eli says, no, it, it isn't me, and God isn't calling you. Go back, relax, and the voice comes a second time. And Eli answers God's, I mean, Samuel answers God's call, and he becomes a prophet. You see, he, dedicate, he was dedicated to doing what's right and knowing what's real. And when you study his life, it's incredible. He was a prophet. He was a priest. He was a judge. He was a leader of men into battle. He was the whole picture. 
And yet all he really was was a person who sought God, who listened to his voice. In fact, he was a kingmaker. We see later on that he's the one who anoints Saul king. And then later when Saul rebels, he takes the anointing away and he gives it to David. Passage of scripture that we're gonna look at is what they call Samuel's farewell address. Samuel's up in age. And um, normally, Samuel's children would take over. In fact, Eli's children were supposed to take take over after Eli, but his kids were such a moral mess that God said, that ain't happening. In fact, he gave the prophecy to Samuel to go announce to Eli, guess what? God's saying, not your kids. And so it's going to be me. And it was supposed to be Samuel's kids afterwards. But the people decide, yeah, we want to take a shift in the way that we're doing things. All the nations around us, they have kings. Kings are cool. They wear crowns. They have flowing robes. I mean, who doesn't want a king? I mean, you're nobody if you don't have a king. It's, it's like a church meeting um, in, a, in, a, in a school. I mean, it's not really a church because it's got to have a building to be a church. You know, it's got to have a steeple. Yeah, same stuff. And so Eli gives them a king through God. God anoints him. God says, don't take it personal, Eli. It's, it's, it's not about you. Um, or excuse me, Samuel. It's about me they're rejecting. And so in this passage, we see Samuel's farewell address. And as we look at these verses, um, 1 Samuel chapter 12, we're going to put it up. But as we look at these verses, I want you to see how this definition plays out. And I want you to see the attributes of character that we see in these verses. Samuel said to all Israel... I have listened to everything you said to me and have set a king over you. Right out the bat, what's the first thing you see about character? Character listens. Character does not believe it knows everything. Character doesn't seek to force its will, its belief systems. Character listens even when it doesn't like what it hears, even when it, what it hears is wrong. There are time as, times as believers, sorry about my throat here, that we're going to encounter people that biblically, morally, we know they're wrong. And we are to speak the truth and love to them, but we're also to recognize God has called me to listen as well as speak. But God has not called me to force things on people. Samuel doesn't say to him, no way. It's ungodly to have a king. God's your king. What do you need another king for? I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to anoint anyone as king for you. But notice, he doesn't do that. God says to Eli, 
go ahead and do this. And so Eli does. Character listens. Now you have a king as your leader. As for me, I am old and gray, and my sons are here with you. I have been your leader from my youth until this day. You know what I know the beautiful thing about character? Character endures. You live a life by character. You live a life by knowing what's real and doing what's right. And God will bless your life. Character endures. From his youth to his old age, in the midst of rebellious people and crooked kings, God blessed Samuel because God blessed his character, because his character endured through it all. Here I stand. Testify against me in the presence of the Lord and it's anointed. What's the attribute we see? Character stands. Character does not compromise. Character is willing to stand for what it believes even in the midst of the hostility of people who don't agree. I was talking to a, a gentleman recently and he was doing a Bible study in his home. And uh, it was Francis Chan, Crazy Love Bible Study. And the issue of homosexuality came out. And, and he said, well, you know, I, I, I believe it's wrong. The Bible's pretty clear on this. And people started to turn on him. And he said, you know, I felt awful. I felt like the bad guy. And I... And I I was trying to find a way of saying, look, I'm, I don't, I'm not homophobic. I don't hate homosexuals. I wish the best for everybody. But bottom line is, I submit myself to God's word. If God's word says, stand on your head, I stand on my head. Because that's what character does. If the whole world says I'm wrong, and I believe that what I believe is right and real, I have to stand. You know, you've heard me say before, the, the, the great story of Martin Luther, the father of the Reformation. You know, when faced with the Catholic Church, which represented all of Christendom at the time, there was no other churches. There was one church. If you were in it, you were a Christian. If you were out of it, you weren't. And there he was, uh, this monk, standing before the Pope, who basically is saying to him, I'm going to give you 24 hours to recount, recant, or else, or else what? We're going to kill you. Popes weren't very nice back then. Um, and so Luther took the 24 hours and he paced and, and he went back and forth in his head. And in fact, there's a great story of him even arguing with the devil and throwing uh, a bottle of ink at the wall to hit him. Um, and then he was brought back before the Pope and he said these wonderful words. Unless convicted by conscience or holy scripture, here I stand. I can do no other. Because <laughs> that's what character does. 
testify against me in the presence of the Lord and his anointed. Now, why does he call upon the presence of the Lord? Because when you do what's right, you know what's real. And when you know what's real, you know that God is with you. That God is on the side of what's real and what's right. God doesn't suffer from cognitive distortions and he's not delusional. God knows what's real. He knows what's right. Testify against me in the presence of the Lord and his anointed. Whose ox have I taken? Whose donkey have I taken? Who have I cheated? Point being what? Character is honest. Character doesn't take what doesn't belong to it. Character doesn't go into goodwill and switch price tags and things like that. Character does what's right. Character doesn't cheat on a spouse. Character doesn't steal all the pens from work. Yeah, not intentionally. Do you know how many CMC pens we have at my house? Character is honest. Character wants nothing to do with dishonesty. Moreover, look what he says. Back up. Whom have I oppressed? Character is compassionate. Now, who do you oppress? You oppress people who don't have a voice. You oppress people who can't fight back. You oppress people that nobody will listen to. Character doesn't go around taking advantage of people. Character is compassionate. When it sees someone in a vulnerable place, it shows compassion. It doesn't take advantage. From whose hand have I accepted a bribe to make me shut my eyes? If I have done any of these things, I will make it right. Character is accountable. Character is trustworthy. You've heard me say it uh, over and over again. How do you judge trustworthy? By when somebody messes up and they own it and they do whatever they can do to make it right because they know it's real. Being trustworthy doesn't mean you never mess up because we'll never know anyone's trustworthiness until they mess up. He says, if I've done anything, if you can think of anything, bring it before me and I will make it right. Now look at this. You have not cheated or oppressed us. They replied, you have not taken anything from anyone's hand. Samuel said to them, the Lord is witness against you and also his anointed 
is witness this day that you have not found anything in my hand. He is witness, they said. What do we see about the beautiful thing about character? Knowing what's real. Doing what's right. And in doing what's right, being rewarded for it. I, um, in my counseling practice, I was working uh, with, a, with a, a teenage girl, a really wonderful girl. Um, and um, she, she said to me, you know that kind of like toolbox you gave me to help her work with her problems when she gets stuck? I said, I said yeah. She goes, yeah, I've, I've tried to use that. It didn't work. Okay. She said, but you know what did work? Is that thing you said about doing what's right now so that the girl at 26 will look back and be thankful to the girl at 16. See, that's the reward. That was a reward in Samuel's life, the ultimate reward. He sought what was real because character reveals it. Character reveals God. And then he did what was right. And God blessed him throughout. But the biggest blessing God gave him at the end of his life was that no one could lay charge against him. You see the same thing in, in Paul's farewell address um, to the Ephesians. Basically, he says, you know, I took nothing from you and gave everything to you. And no one has charge against me. And you know what they said to him? They said to Samuel, you're right. You did nothing wrong. And God is witness. Now these are the same people that have rejected God. They want a king. And yet, Samuel's character, through the grace of God, shines to the point that they say, we know that your God is real because he's witness to all this. And even though we don't do what's right, we can see that you do what's right and when you do what's right, you help us to see what's real, even though we don't choose to go in that direction. Character reveals what's right, or what's real, and it rewards what's right. Character matters. You want to be a success in life and not care about character? Forget it. In fact, there are some great studies. University of Pennsylvania has shown that a person's economic status doesn't grow beyond their character, all things being equal. You can say, well, look at Bernie Madoff. He made a lot of money, yeah. Now he's in prison. Well, look at the mafia. Yeah, John Gotti, now he's in prison. You want to know what's successful? 
It's character. Character doesn't care about success. It cares about faithfulness. Why do you need to pursue it? It's not ethereal. It's very practical. If you don't pursue character in seeking to know what's real and do what's right, then you won't know what's real. You won't know God. Not intimately, not personally. You won't have him as a guide to your life. And then you'll go off and do what's wrong. In Deuteronomy, God made it very clear. I lay before you blessings and curses. You choose. Choose the blessings and you'll be blessed. Choose the curses and you'll be cursed. Choose to do what's right and you'll be rewarded. You would never fix a car by trying to do everything wrong. Don't live a life like that. Robert Ailes on, with Fox News talks about, you know, kind of a mogul in communication. He says at the end of the day, no matter what the communication is, the message is you. Why did Bill O'Reilly get thrown off? Because the message was him and the message wasn't good. You can see that with a number of people like that. You are the message. Your character matters. In fact, if, if you go and, and, and you look and do some studying about character development in books and character development in movies, what do you think it is that matters in character development in books? Character. How do we see good character development in a, in a book or a, a movie? We get to see what the character thinks, what the character believes, how the character acts. We watch these movies where the character is he's a good guy, but then he gets tempted and, and he gives in to the temptations, but then later he turns it around and does the right thing, and we say, oh, that's, that's great. And then we see other characters, they don't develop. The guy who's just prejudiced or the, the guy who just cares about uh, lust and chasing after women. Surrounded by all these other characters that are flat or what they call rounded, but they're not developed. Live a life without character, you'll never be developed. Uh, Don Plumpton one of my favorite stories of his um, is a, about when he was young and uh, he, he grew up with his buddies playing you know, all sorts of games, army, you know, baseball, whatever. And there was this younger kid who hung out with them um, who always lost uh, whatever game they were playing. Um, and so he would look to Don and others and he'd, he would say, starting now? When it was over, when he had lost. 
But the kid was sharp enough to say, no, I'm not going to take losing as an answer here. And Don would say, yeah, starting now. If you've lived a life without character, it's okay. Because starting now, you can turn that around. Starting now, you can find out what's real. And you can do what's right. Because when you know what's real and you do what's right, God will reward it. And you will glorify him as you experience his best because that's what he wants. Character is not a drag. Character is meant to make sure that your life doesn't drag. Please join me in prayer.